Hi everybody, welcome to HubShots episode 260. In this episode, we talk about simple steps, HubSpot email health reports, and how to rotate an owner in a workflow. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, service, marketing, and operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Well, like probably most people, I'm overwhelmed, Ian. I think it's a standard response from most people. We're feeling overwhelmed by things, and I thought I might just start the show talking about a little experience I had last week. You and I were chatting about it afterwards, but I think it's important because it highlights a difference for some of our clients from our own experience. So here's what happened. I was meeting with a financial advisor because my wife and I, we've, we've got a bunch of businesses and things. It's probably overly complex to be honest, but we've got to move stuff around and it looks like we've had some bad advice from an accountant years ago. So there's all these structures that we've got, we've got to move around, right? Now for the financial advisor, this would just be standard stuff for him. He's probably like, yeah, this is easy stuff kind of thing. But after 90 minutes of spreadsheets and capital gains tax this and move this entity and this trust and all this kind of stuff, I was totally overwhelmed. And I was just like, oh my goodness. You know what he says to me at the end? He says, okay, so what do you want to do? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you know, I've got no idea. Frankly, I don't want to do anything. I just want to park this and forget about it and hope it goes away. Because of the pain of the discussion, right? Well, it just that I was just overwhelmed. Yeah. This is not stuff. I'm not an accountant. This is not stuff I do day in, day out. Yeah. So, it occurred to me after that, that I wonder if I'm doing that same, or giving some of our clients that same experience. They're not marketers. They're not doing what we do day in, day out. We talk about HubSpot. We think it's easy. You and I, Ian, we think it's easy. This is great. We do it every day. Some of our clients, oh, this is overwhelming. And I suspect they just want to go, oh, forget it. I don't want to do anything. So, what I thought, the thought of the week is that I wonder if that's the case for our listeners and our listeners' clients, whether that's external customers or internal stakeholders, etc. I wonder if we've got to a point where, because it's so easy for us, we overwhelm those for who it's not daily practice for. So, I'm going to suggest we start thinking about simple, single steps. Because if, back to my financial advisor, if he just said, look, there's a whole lot of stuff there to be done. Here's the one thing we get started and I'll take care of it for you this week and next week we'll do the next thing. How would that be? I would have said, sign me up, go for it, thank you. And instead of coming out of it all overwhelmed and and slightly anxious, to be honest, I would have come out relieved and feeling I'm making progress. So that's the inbound tip of the week. Think about that for your clients, for yourself. How can you position what you do and you're an expert in into a simple, single step that takes away anxiety and just brings people relief? 100% agree. On to our quick shots of the week, Craig. And there's been a bit of a backlog of stuff here, but uh, some real good stuff in here. First one is going to be multiple data sync connections on platforms like Dynamics or MailChimp or ActiveCampaign like we spoke about in previous weeks. And this list of connections is growing daily from what I can see, which is fantastic as we keep HubSpot as a platform and all the data feeds into it. The next thing is a reminder for the sync of HubSpot tasks with Google Calendar. And this is also for Office 365. 
And this is now live for everybody. And I think we mentioned it back a few weeks ago as it was rolling out, but a great feature, if, especially you love using tasks in your calendar. And I think most of from people I've spoken to, it seems to be our people that use Office 365 that love this feature. And what's the next one, Craig? I didn't actually realize this, but HubSpot themes, they're available on the Envato Marketplace. Did you know about this? I read about this and I was actually very surprised. I think it's great because that's where you go to get WordPress themes, Shopify themes, well, actually all, all the CMSs. So, really good. So, I think there was about 200 or so over there when I was looking. Yes. So, yeah, really good. Uh, next one is, and this is probably uh, more so for us, but they're allowing us to embed the website grader tool on our sites supported by HubSpot there. Yeah. So, if you're a HubSpot partner, any agencies listening to the show, you can do that. We've got the SEO tool, which we talk about quite often, seems to be improving all the time, has additional checks, which are basically taken from the Google Lighthouse and some updated in the website grader tool as well. So, it's well worth having a look. And finally, we have a list of all the community articles of recent HubSpot updates, which there's a link to in the show notes. So, listeners, if you have not signed up for the show notes, You just need to go to hubshots.com and sign up. You will see it right there. By the way, I think they've moved their product updates announcements over to the HubSpot community. They used to have the product update blog. Yes. And then they actually used to have individual posts, but now I think it's over on the community site in case you're wondering where it's gone. And listeners, if you are in your HubSpot portal, you will also find the updates under product updates in the menu at the top right-hand side. If you're your profile at, photo, yep. So, there it is. All right. The next thing we're going to talk about is the HubSpot marketing feature of the week, which is marketing email health reports. I don't know if you've uh, spent much time in this uh, lately, Ian. I actually haven't, although I've known about it. It's been there for a while. And actually, later when we'll talk about um, what HubSpot was announcing 12 months ago, this was actually one of them. It's really nice. It gives you a breakdown of your email health at just summarizes things such as open rate, click-through rate, bounce rate, unsubscribe rate, and spam report rate. But what's really nice is up the top, I hadn't realized this before, you can actually filter this by the subscription type. So, if you've got multiple brands in your portal, and therefore you might have multiple subscription types, or even actually with one brand, you might have multiple subscription types, you can actually filter down on that. So, let's say you've got a subscription type just for blog updates or versus various other things. You can drill into it. We've got a few examples in the show notes. For example, our HubShots notifications, you can see that. It's pretty, pretty healthy. 36% open rate, 12% click-through rate. That's pretty nice. However, also in our portal, I've actually got a screenshot of one of the other brands we run. Open rate, 20%, click rate, 3%, um, subscribe rate. So, actually, nowhere near as good. It's got room for improvement. So, I think that's really nice. You can actually drill into it, get a sense of how you compare for your overall email health. I I really like this. I think it's a really useful snapshot. And this is one of those things that we see where just highlighting these key things and bringing it to the surface, how much better you can improve your results and just be aware if there is something that's not working, well, what can we do? What's the one step we can take to making that metric better? All right, onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. And this is a dashboard for sales, and this is uh, with one of my lovely customers. And what they wanted to do was really highlight all the deals that were not uh, appropriately updated and that were past their close date. And this is on a, they have a weekly dashboard that they look at. 
and it has many different widgets, like we like to call them, on there. But the first two is all the deals that are past their due date. So it's a little summary of those deals. And the second one is the deal values broken down by user. So what it does here, or let's say owner, the goal here is to make sure that we're supporting others within the team to win. So if you if you can see some big numbers on that dashboard, it's a good time for people to reach out and say, hey, do you need help with anything that I can do to help you get that over the line? And so it really gives a good understanding of, A, the capacity and the volume of a particular owner, but also potentially what they could be struggling with and need help with. But a great highlight just for the team to work well together. GD reports have come a long way, haven't they? Do you remember they a couple sure of years have. ago when you could only get decent reports and the reporting add-on, and now it's just foundational across the product. It's so good. What I think is really interesting is how you mentioned last episode, you've actually integrated a whole bunch of external tools in order to use HubSpot as a reporting platform. Correct. Operations Hub loops them all together, pulls them into HubSpot, and you report against them. I think this is a really useful feature. All right. And next is our HubSpot service feature of the week. And Craig, I told you this because I saw this big sign up on a on one of our knowledge bases. It says basically it was blocking the result pages from being indexed or the listing pages. That's right. This is the knowledge base listing pages. And I think I got a little bit afraid and that's why I highlighted it to you. And then you, you kind of highlighted what was happening and- uh, all is good. So, do you want to explain to our listeners what is going on? Let's say you've set up a HubSpot knowledge base. If that's the case, you'll know you've got knowledge base articles and they're grouped into listings, probably categories of knowledge base articles. So, those listing pages are kind of like index pages of your actual articles. Well, what HubSpot's doing is they've added an option where you can block those listing pages from being indexed in Google. Now, this doesn't stop Google actually looking at the page and then crawling through them and finding all your articles, but it stops the actual page, the listing page from being indexed in Google. So it doesn't turn up as a Google result. That's actually in most cases a good thing because as many of our listeners will know, Google gives you a certain amount of budget, they call it crawl budget, resource for indexing your sites into their search results. So you don't want to take up all this resource with listing pages and things like that. You actually want them taking it up with the articles. So with that in mind, HubSpot has this option where you can block those listing pages from getting indexed in Google. And that actually will be on by default from now on. You can override it if you definitely want them to be uh, indexed. Okay, you can switch that off. But I think it's going to be on by default. I recommend that. I think that's a good thing. It's similar to how for blog posts, you don't want all the tag listing pages. There could be hundreds or thousands of them. Category pages, you don't want them all getting indexed in Google. All you want is the actual blog posts. Sure, you still want Google crawling through your site, finding them all through those listing pages, but you don't want those listing pages getting indexed. I hope that makes sense. The reason I've, I guess, fleshed it out and explained it is because the message that HubSpot puts at the top of that page, it's it's telling people that they're going to be blocking index uh, the listing pages. It can be, I, I don't think it's particularly well worded, so it can be confusing. And the gotcha there is that some people did think, oh no, all my, all my knowledge base articles are going to be blocked from Google. What's going on? 
Of course I want them indexed. Yeah, well, of course you want the articles indexed. That's right. It's just bad wording. The articles will still be there in Google, but the listing page won't. Hope that makes sense. If you've got any questions or concerns, you can reply to our show notes email or contact HubSpot support, but it's all good with the defaults as far as I'm concerned. All right, onto our HubSpot workflow action of the week. And this is about rotating owners in HubSpot workflow actions. And you need to have a professional suite uh, user to do this. And that's one caveat. So it could be a sales professional or service professional user license. But it's very handy in actually signing these records to people. And you can do it to specific people or to teams. And the other thing to note is that if you have another field, a custom field that you've created that has a HubSpot owner within that, you can also use that property to do the rotation with. What it does do is it does allow you to balance the rotation between people in the team or between users that you have selected, which is a great feature if you want to make sure that everyone's getting equal opportunity. Yet again, the power of workflows, Ian, isn't it? That's right. And what about rotating user lists, Craig? Well, this is the thing. So you might think, oh, well, I, I just want to rotate a contact owner. Well, you can actually create other fields on a contact that have that same user list. So contact owner, as listeners will be aware, that's the list of users, the HubSpot users in your portal, or maybe they're just pro uh, paid ones for the ones that can be rotated against. But what's if you don't want to change the contact owner? What's if you have a field on a contact that's called account manager or campaign manager or some other field which you yes. record? You can actually rotate these as well. They're called users lists. So, for example, let's say I'm the original contact owner for one of our contacts. They become a customer. I'm still the contact owner, so we don't want to change that. But we actually have a an account manager that's someone else in the team. So we do want to rotate that around, let's say. So this is a way to do it. You use these user lists and via a workflow, you can rotate those around as well. The great thing about the rotate action is that it's fair. So there's none of this kind of, oh, how come Bob over there got twice as many contacts as uh, Mary over here, that kind of thing, this does it fairly. And that's the, that's the great thing. Although I remember many episodes ago, you highlighted a bit of a, a workaround or a hack someone had done. Someone had to create two user accounts for themselves in a sales portal so that they're in there getting twice as many as others. And well, when they were found out, they were fired, of course, but they had, they'd actually take advantage of this rotate piece and no one had picked up on it for a while. But look, aside from people doing dishonest things like that, it's actually a very fair way to rotate out contacts uh, to people. Now, listeners, I, in the past, I have had people uh, that have worked, that work with us, ask me, okay, especially, I guess this happens a lot in industries where salespeople aren't there every day of the week or they work on shifts. And then they say, okay, on a Monday to Wednesday, I want to, I want to rotate it between this team. And then on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I want to rotate it to people in this team. And so this is where we couldn't do it, but now potentially we could do it based on how we're doing the rotation and the teams that people are belonging to. And I think this is an interesting thing that you've highlighted, Craig, is the ability to create these other user lists that you could potentially rotate to, to make that possible. Actually, yeah, that's a really good point. A, a common example we come across is they've got sales teams in various regions. So you might have a Queensland team, New South Wales team. So what you can do, the contact, the workflow goes through, 
you can then branch based, say, on IP address of the contacts coming in. And then for one state, that might switch out on one team and rotate to that team. And then the other one would branch, other branch would rotate to another team. So you can set up your teams, really flexible, solves a lot of problems. And again, it's that fairness, rotates them out evenly. All right, on to HubSpot's security setting of the week, Craig. HubSpot last password reset day. Did you even know about this? No, I didn't know about this. And this is hiding listeners. If you're looking at your settings, under settings, under general and notifications is security, where you can see your email address or any aliases you might have. And there is a password section there, which says, when was the last time you reset your password? This is fantastic because you know how you and I, we just love to cruise around the settings looking for new things. I don't know if this is new, but I'd never seen it. It's probably been there since day one, Ian. I just have never seen it. But you know when I'd last reset my password? Uh, let me take a guess, Craig. Uh, mine was 2014, so yours was probably earlier than that. <laughs> mine was 2013 was the last time I'd set reset my password for HubSpot. Incredible. Eight years ago. And for fun, I put this in the show notes. Of, for fun, I checked in LastPass, because that's where we keep all our passwords. I checked how strong it was. I was pleasantly surprised that it was a really strong password. So all those years ago when we set up LastPass and things like that, yeah, it was using strong passwords. So we've got some processes right, and uh, it's probably saved us from a lot of pain. Anyway, I reset it anyway. I just thought, oh, it's eight years, time to reset the password. Yes. And the other thing is further down this page, you'll see you've got a trusted phone number. You've got whether you're using the authenticator app as well. And uh, I think SMS as well. And one thing to note is, so in what Craig was talking about, I was I was using a password, uh, login and an email and password. And then I switched to using the login with Google feature. And I think it's still showing that even though my pass, I have reset my password a few times over, since that period in 2014, but that's not reflective of the system. So just be aware of that. If you are using other methods to log in, like Google, that will not get updated. So a few quick takeaways here. Check when you last reset your password and look if it's ages ago like me. Probably worth resetting and make sure it's a strong password. But as Ian touched on two-factor authentication, you should definitely have that enabled. I think we've got enabled just about everyone now. Uh, especially anyone that's a super admin. So, yeah, make sure you've got two-factor authentication. And I-, and I think it's just really good security process to do that regardless and something for the teams to be aware of as they're using all of these different sites and tools, the importance of keeping it protected. All right, on to our insight of the week. Overwhelm and the fight to tactics. All right, so this is picking up from what we touched on in shot one. I thought this was worth mentioning to listeners. We've noticed this just especially in the last couple of weeks, last month or two. I don't know if you've noticed it as well, Ian. I have. And listeners, just to let you know, in in Australia, well, where we're living in Australia, we're in a lockdown now. We have been for the last, oh, how long is it? Since middle of June, Craig. Since middle of June. <laughs> we're, we're in a lockdown. Not all of Australia is in a lockdown, but many of the states are, so... Uh, Many of our clients are in lockdown and people are starting to go a bit stir crazy. And that's why there's this overwhelm. So not only is there all this overwhelm of Zoom meetings, constant Zoom meetings and all that, but when you don't have the social interaction and getting out, catching up with friends, can't go to restaurants, all this, it gets a bit too much. So there's this overwhelm. People are working longer hours, more Zoom calls, more things to do, more results required. And of course, in lockdown, then there's added pressure and sales are dropping for various industries. So it can be quite overwhelming. The response 
And as I'll say at the end of this piece, Anne, the response, I'm kind of preaching to myself here because I feel this temptation. The response has been a flight to tactics. And in my opinion, many of them are just temptations to distraction. So they're not actually good tactics. And by the way, I'm all for testing. We often say test a measure. I'm all for adapting or as people like to say, pivoting. It's just adapting, right? So you test and adapt. I'm all for that. So don't get me wrong. But we need to be able to answer the question, ah, why are you doing this? And if you don't have a good answer to the why are you doing this, then chances are you're just falling into the trap of distraction. You've got so much going on that the only relief you can get is, oh, I think I'll try some new marketing tactic. Oh, you know what? We need to be on TikTok. Oh, you know what? Oh, let's run webinar. Oh, come on. I've got, oh, let's create a YouTube channel. Oh, oh, let's write another blog post. Let's do something. Like, it's just all this ad hoc tactical stuff. And I'll repeat, test and measure. That's always good. But do it in a structured way. And you might recall many episodes ago, 252, I think, we talked about having a testing backlog. Correct. Marketers, lots of marketers are creative people. That's a good thing. So we want to capture all those ideas, put them on a testing backlog, but then we actually carefully check and choose the ones that we're going to test. Don't touch to everything. And I've had more conversations than, well, the year combined, just in the last month or two with people saying, oh, we want to start this and do something new. And I'm like, why? And they're like, I'm not sure. We just thought we should try something new. It's about distraction. So- I just wanted to highlight that. And the takeaways here are, one, let's, have a, let's reflect on what we're doing. Let's check what we're doing. Are we just jumping into things to avoid doing strategic work? Because it's hard. Strategic work is hard. Sticking to stuff is hard. Doing in-depth analysis of stuff is hard. Right? So I get it. When you're overwhelmed, you just don't want to do that. You just want to bung up a TikTok channel, right? Got to resist that temptation. Ask that question, why am I doing this? And also adapt adopt the mindset of saying no to more things. I think that's one of the main lessons I've learned this year. Stop saying yes to most things and say no to more things. Only say yes to the really important, actionable activities. I hope that's useful. And I've put in a little meme there, the how about no bear, which has been around since 2006, I found. It's a great little (laughs) image for the show notes. But I wonder if that's helpful. So, listeners, does this resonate with you? Are you actually seeing this, feeling this as well, or is it just something we've got local in Australia at the moment? How do you feel about this, Ian? Are you noticing this? Absolutely, Craig. I've had so many conversations with people where I can just feel the overwhelm. They're paralyzed by fear of not knowing what to do. And some of the things, like especially if they're clients of ours, is making sure we're really clear on the goals that we're after. So one of the things we've been using a lot lately is the campaigns tool within HubSpot, being one of them which has greatly improved in terms of tracking all the assets to do with the campaign. So being really clear on what we're expecting in that campaign and being very clear to say no to other things. So that's actually worked really well, but I totally agree. Let let me just finish by looping this all back to shot one. Remember I talked about how the overwhelm was there and um, the financial advisor was just too much? That's right. Maybe this comes back to just a simple, single step at a time. And maybe the first step is, you know what? I'm just going to do some analysis of the HubSpot reports to check what's happened. Step one, just some analysis. That's Don't right. need to be planning a whole new campaign on a new channel with a new format and everything. Just do some analysis first. Ground yourself. That's step one. Keep it simple, a step at a time. 
All right, and on to our HubShot's throwback of the week, Craig. And a year ago, HubSpot was releasing the email health tool that we spoke about in Shot 3. And listeners, if you haven't had a look at it, well worth a look. And not only looking at the health tool, but look at the Analyze tab right next to it on the left. And one of my favorites, which I think we've spoken about in the show before, is if you scroll down towards the bottom of that screen, you'll see a graph of when emails were sent, the open rate versus click rate. And I love that graph to see, to understand at what times do we send emails that actually gets better open and better clicks. Because if you can get that right and you can increase your open rate over time, you will do very well. All right, onto our resource of the week, Craig. Should we be creating content on our own sites? And this is a very good question that people ask. And even today, I've had a conversation with somebody who got told by somebody else, you need to go and create a blog. And he had no idea what a blog was. And so he was like, I can't keep doing this. Like, what? And he was just totally confused. Wow, I didn't know what a blog was. So that's, wow. It's such a spectrum of people's understanding. And that's right. We've got to remember there's some people that even the basics they're not aware of. Just like my financial advisor, I'm sure he was telling me stuff that was very basic that is just such common knowledge for them. But for me, it was like, I don't know. Totally new to me. This shot refers to a piece that Rand Fishkin put on his Spark Toro site recently. And he's talking about the reason it comes up is because there's such reduced exposure these days. You try and share a blog post you've written, you try and share that on Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook. Nope, the algorithm will punish you because they don't want you going off platform. Likewise, community sites, Reddit and Discord and others, they don't like you going off site, so it doesn't get that much promotion. Of course, you can do paid promotion, so you can do a bit. But then, of course, organic, Google, we know that the top part of most search results is all ads, so it's even harder to get exposure. So the point is, whereas a couple of years ago, you might have got a lot more exposure for content you say you wrote on your own site, a blog, now you get very little. So the question is, well, should we even bother? You know, we're not going to get organic for most stuff. It's not get, going to get much traction on social. Should we even bother? It's a good question. And by the way, worth contemplating because it might not be worth your while. However, in most cases, we're saying to clients, especially our larger clients, we're saying, yes, you should continue to do it. But you need to be mindful of the reduced exposure. And whereas before you might have just written something and then spent five minutes sharing it on social and expecting to get traffic, now it requires a lot more amplification to, well, for want of a better word. And especially on Google, you're not going to get much organic uh, and it'll take a while to rank. So uh, don't expect that to happen quickly. It also highlights why you should be building uh, a channel that you own, such as email. And of course, Ian, you and I have been trying to build our HubShots uh, subscriber rate. By the way, listeners, that's why we highlight it every episode or so, because we want to stay in touch with you. And email is still one of the best ways to do that. We know a lot of you aren't on social all the time, or you're not, well, you're certainly not searching for us in Google. Email is a really good way uh, to keep going. So yeah, we still, each week, we put a lot of time into these show notes and preparing the show. And then email is actually become our key distribution channel. So there's the takeaways. Decide carefully, but create regularly. And with high value, by the way, gone are the days of writing out fluff and expecting that to do you any value, but then owning the channel and email, your email list is probably the best channel still. That's right. And think about where you're posting it, right? So I always tell people, build your own asset that you have control of. 
you could use things like Medium and put it on there and get a lot of traffic and a lot of traction. But at the end of the day, you've got to still have your own assets. So make sure you're building that appropriately. All right, onto our quote of the week, Craig. Attributed to lots of different people here. <laughs> Life is 10% what you experience and 90% of how you respond to it. And that's very well yeah. said. So I thought that was a nice little close for starting with overwhelm. We're all feeling overwhelmed. How you respond to it is important. And there is one bonus link, Craig. And what is that? Oh, that's from uh, Will Critchlow on Twitter talking about internal linking. Uh, so your website, you link internally through to other pages. He has a good thread talking about some of the findings because they test this, whether it impacts, well, things like crawlability, whether it's getting indexed in Google and things like that. Very important to look at this. And I'll give you one quick takeaway, which was it seemed that if you link internally well, it's almost the page that's linked from benefits more than the linked to page, which is counterintuitive to what you know I've normally expected and experienced. So there, it's constantly changing and there's some results there. So if you're on Twitter, go and check out that Twitter thread and he actually links off to a bunch of articles he's written on it. So if that's your thing, internal linking, SEO nerd fest there for you, go and check it out. And even if you're not an SEO nerd, I would recommend people to look at pages that are highly trafficked and have a look at the experience people have when they're reading that page and what the next steps are. A really simple fix to a lot of these things is, let's say we've read this page. What is the next thing, if I get to the end of this piece of content, what is the next thing I would want someone to do? Or where is the next logical place I might want to take them? So, in when we think about call to action, what is that call to action? Do we just leave them there or do we say, hey, if you're interested in more like this, click here, here are the top three articles that relate to this. That's another good one to go after. But it, there are simple fixes that you can do that will make this internal linking and the user experience so much better if you just take a little bit of time to think about it. Well, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the show and... Like we said, if you haven't uh, signed up to the show notes, please go to hubshots.com and sign up to the show notes. If you are interested in the 28-day marketing challenge that Craig and myself run, please go and sign up. It's on the menu on the site and you can sign up for the next cohort for that. And the goal there is you're using HubSpot Marketing Professional and uh, you will be able to launch a campaign within 28 days of working with Craig and myself and have it in the market. So if that's appealing to you, go and do that right now. Well, listeners, until next time. And Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at HubShots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.